Psalm 100, please, this morning. Psalm 100. According to the clock on the wall, I have somewhere in the neighborhood of three minutes. Think I can do it? Well, you know what? I'm not even going to try. I, uh, I think it's been good to be in the Lord's house today. I think every minute of it has been a blessed, and I'm thankful. So, Psalm 100, verse number 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Oh, Father, we pray today as we look at some of these thoughts that you will fill us with praise for who you are this day. For, Father, you are great. You are good. We are so thankful today. And I pray you just bless these few minutes that remain. Use it for your glory. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to preach well, rightly, accurately. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to start a new series, just a brief series that's going to take us through, Lord willing, through the end of November. And I want us to explore the concept of thankfulness. Of course, every November we talk about it to a certain extent. But I want us to, uh, to think of some of the reasons that we have to be thankful. I'm going to call this series Project Thankfulness. And for the next at least four weeks, I want to look at these topics. Starting today, I want to look at, with, uh, at this topic. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, for who you are. And then the following week, thank you, God, for what you have done. And then thank you, God, for what you are doing. And thank you, God, for what you will do. I'm hoping that as we contemplate these things, it will make us more thankful for all that we have in Christ. David, when the Ark of the Covenant was being placed in the tabernacle, he sang this great song of praise to God. And he said, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And I hope that's what we see. I hope that's what we come away thinking. Psalm 100 verses 1 through 5 was not a passage that I was going to preach through as we oftentimes do. Our normal method is we take a passage of Scripture and we we use that and we preach from that text. I I did not read that this morning for that reason. I read, read it rather to tune our hearts into this thought, to tune our hearts into the idea of thankfulness and all that we have to be thankful for. And especially our thought for today, which is thank you, God, for who you are. And some might be sitting here this morning and might be asking the question, well, who is this God and why should that make me thankful? And so I want to suggest just four thoughts briefly this morning, if I could, about who he is and why we ought to be thankful. How about this one, first of all? Thank you, God, that you are the creator and sustainer of all. Thank you, God, that you are the creator and sustainer of all. The very first thing we read, the very first time somebody picks up the Bible and opens to page number 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is our creator. That's the first thing we hear. That's the first thing we learn. But it doesn't stop with that verse. I think some people think that the matter of creation is all contained in that one little verse, and then the Bible doesn't talk about it any further at all. That's... Certainly not the case. This wonderful truth that God is the creator and sustainer of all that is is repeated over and over and over and over in our Bibles. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable, Isaiah said. I have made the earth and created man on it. I, my hands, stretched out the heavens and all their host I have commanded 
God said in Isaiah chapter 45. So do you not want to thank God this morning that He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all that is? Isaiah 45, 18, thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. Ephesians or Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 10, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Go to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 9, God who created all things through Jesus Christ. He's the creator. He is the sustainer of all that is. Let us thank Him for that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16. By Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things. And by Your will they exist and were created. Oh, can we not thank Him for who He is? He is the Creator. He is the sustainer of all that is. Oh, listen, don't be deceived. Young people, don't be deceived. You are not an accident. You did not evolve. You did not just appear by a chance uh, conglomeration of various elements. No, no, none of that is true. God made you. He created you. He made me. He made all of us. Now, there's a couple of obvious thoughts that come to my mind about why we ought to be thankful for that. When I think about who God is, and when I think about the fact that He is the Creator, I can't help but be thankful for the mechanical aspect of it. The very fact that my God is that strong, that my God is that able, that my God could do such a thing. You know, I think the problem that so many people have with this matter of creation and whether or not God did exactly the way He said He did it is that they just can't get their mind around a power like that. They can't get their mind around the fact that there could be someone, such a magnificent designer, such an engineer, such omnipotence. <laughs> but there is. And that's my God. And that's why I'm thankful. He's the creator and sustainer. I, love, I like what the psalmist says. The psalmist says our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Notice how he contrasts our God with the gods of so many others, the idols of so many others. Lips, no speech. Eyes, no vision. You know, such is true of so many today who will, who will believe the words of men over the words of our God. Mortal men. People who claim to have knowledge in this area. We seem to have some desperate need to explain God, to bring Him down into some kind of a, of a thing that we can comprehend, that we can fit into our little brains. But God's too big for that. God's too big. We tend to disbelieve and think we need a more mortal explanation of things. Timothy Keller says, when we say I can't believe in a God who would, and fill in the blank, anything, we're saying we don't really want a God behind our comprehension. But I do. Do you not want such a God, a God beyond your comprehension, 
a God that is greater than you? Spurgeon said, believe everything in science which is proved. It will not come to much. You need not fear that your faith will be overburdened. And then believe everything which is clearly in the word of God, whether it is proved by outside evidence or not. No proof is needed when God speaks. If he hath said it, this is evidence enough. Amen. My God is big enough to do this. My God was big enough. He is able. And why would we accept anything less? Why would we want anything less? I want a God who can fix anything. Don't you? I want a God who can make anything. Don't you? When my world is broken in pieces around me, I want a God who can pick up those pieces and fix it. Don't you? That's my God. That's my King. That's my Creator. And I praise Him that He's able to do it. And so that's one reason. But there's another reason that I think this should make us thankful. We should be thankful that He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all. Not just because He's able, but I think also we ought to think about the artistic part of this. The artistic part of this. When I look at all that God has made, I see an artist. Don't you? Ephesians chapter 2 says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That word workmanship is a wonderful word. That word workmanship is from the Greek word poema. We get our word poem from it. It means masterpiece. We are His masterpiece. God is an artist. He is the artist of all artists. He is the poet of all poets. He makes all things beautiful. Our sister Beth Salisbury has this thing about snow. She's mildly crazy about snow. I recall one time last year I walked in. You know, I park all the way at the very back, and I recall walking in on a snowy day all the way from the back parking lot. Where is Beth? Is she hiding in here somewhere? She's down. Oh, she's doing the sandwiches. Good, so I could talk about her. I come all the way in from the back of the parking lot, and I'm following these bare footprints in the snow all the way from the back of the parking lot all the way in. I had no difficulty figuring out who that was. But you know what? Snow is magnificent. Do you ever really look at snow? I don't think there's anything more beautiful that God has ever created than on a, on a, on a morning when you're getting ready to go to work and the garage door goes up and you... You look out on a world where that night before it has snowed. And it's that sticky kind of snow that sticks to every single twig. You know what I mean? It's astonishing. There is no greater art that you will ever see. My God does that. I think a rose may be one of the most beautiful things that God has ever created too. You ever really look at a rose? No person could have come up with that. It's spectacular art. Or space. The immensity of space is awesome. We look at it and we figure how it just goes on forever and we're amazed at the complexity of it. We've never been able with all of our technology to find the edges of it. It just goes on and on and on because it's infinite. It's God's infinity. And yet, have you ever gone to Hubble.com and looked at the images? It's not just spectacular mechanically. It's spectacular artistically. The beauty that is out there. That's my God. He's an artist. How can we not thank him that he is the creator and sustainer of all? I remember a time, and I may have shared the story with you, a time when I was hunting in October. And I was at uh, my mother-in-law's farm. And there was one particular spot which I used to like to go and sit. 
And it was kind of a little valley back in the farm. Nobody else went back in there. I'd go back in there and be all by myself. And it was kind of a, a little bowl, a little valley that you walk in. I remember this one day in October, I walked back in, and as I got back to that place and walked in there, I noticed that every inch of the ground was carpeted in gold because it was all maple trees, and they were all dropping their leaves. And I thought, how beautiful. And I went and I sat down, and I got myself all ready to hunt. And as I'm sitting there, I'm looking at all this gold on the ground, and suddenly I realized the trees were still filled with gold because they hadn't fallen. Everything hadn't fallen yet. And so gold all around me. And then just about that time, just as if God breathed, a wind came up and suddenly the air was filled with gold. Leaves all around me. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. And that was, the, that was my God, my Creator, who was able to do such a thing. as How can we not thank Him for who He is? The Creator and Sustainer of all that is. Oh, and let's not forget that last part. We're talking about the Creator, but He not only made it, He sustains it. He keeps it going. He keeps the clock ticking. He keeps this universe in motion. He made you. He sustains you. He keeps you. Psalm 104, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. There the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. These all wait for you that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. You send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. Psalm 148, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Colossians 1.16, by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. It's another great word translated consist in our Bible. It literally means held together, hold together. It means to continue or endure or exist. My God does that. He's not only the creator. He is the sustainer. He holds everything together. So can we not say thank you, God, this morning that he is the creator and sustainer of all? Amen? How about a second thing? Thank you, God, that you are the lover of my soul. Can you say amen to that one? Thank you, God, that you are the lover of my soul. I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has written. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest, that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. You remember that little chorus? We sang it in Sunday school. We teach it to our kids today. And you know, I think the truth that is in there is a cause for us to want to thank God. Thank you, God, that you are the lover of my soul. And oh, he is. He is. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. We love him because he first loved us. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Thank you, God, that you are the lover of my soul. There may be days when we're not very lovable. I know that's true of me, probably not true of any of you, but there may be days when we're not very lovable. But you know what? We can thank God that he loves us even then. Even then, he is the lover of my soul. There may be days when we don't feel very loved, but we can thank God, can't we? That even on those days, whether we feel it or see it or recognize it or not, he is there loving us. He is ever the lover of our soul. One man said, God loves you more in a moment than anyone could in a lifetime. Spurgeon said, come boldly, believer, for despite the whispers of Satan and the doubts of your own heart, you are loved. Can we not say thank you? Thank you for who you are. You are the lover of my soul. Number three, thank you, God, that you are the director of my life. That you are the director of my life. The psalmist said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Can you not thank God that He's the director of your life? One man said happiness keeps you sweet. Trials keep you strong. Sorrows keep you human. Failures keep you humble. Success keeps you glowing, but only God keeps you going. Amen. He is the director of my life. Oswald Chambers said, Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. And we may not always understand His ways. But we understand this. He is directing our life. C.S. Lewis said, Isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything has. God is directing our lives. Praise God. Thank you, God, that you are the director of my life. One last. Thank you, God, that you are the provider of my future. You are the provider of my future. And I'm not going to say much about this one. I'm just going to read a a passage of Scripture which is very familiar and let you think about it a little bit. We'll talk about this one more when we talk about what God will do in the future. But consider what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is preparing the way. I I love that one little phrase in there. I don't think we talk about it or think about it enough when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's making preparations for our future. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something for which we can thank Him? In one of these days, our eyes will close in death if, if we don't get to participate in the rapture. Now, those of us who are born again, who have been saved, who have trusted in Christ, our eyes will close in death here and wake up there. And you know what we'll find? Everything is ready. Everything is prepared. Because He has been making preparation and provision for our future. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a couple of weeks. But for now, just think about it. And praise God for it. So four reasons to say thank you for who God is. 
Thank you, God, that you are the creator and sustainer of all. Thank you, God, that you are the lover of my soul. Thank you, God, that you are the director of my life. And thank you, God, that you are the provider of my future. Will you join me today and say thank you for who you are? Thank you, God, for who you are. Sandy Patty said it so well in her song. You spoke the words and all the worlds came into order. You waved your hands and planets filled the empty skies. You placed the woman and the man inside the garden. And though they fell, they found compassion in your eyes. One holy night, you brought your promise from a virgin, and promise grew as he revealed to us your heart. Enduring love displayed throughout his crucifixion, and in the dark, you tore the grave and death apart. O Lord, I stand amazed at the wonder of your deeds. And yet a greater wonder brings me to my knees. Lord, I praise you because of who you are, not just for all the mighty things that you have done. Lord, I worship you because of who you are. You're all the reason that I need to voice my praise because of who you are.